0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osban, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our DAF today, Masachat Ta'anid, DAF Lamed. Well, we are really in the final, final stretch. You might be listening to this before or after our CM today. Um, but Hopefully you joined us or will be joining us. Um, and, you know, I think these are just a nice couple of DAF and we're going to wrap up some loose ends. Um, and uh, this is really the DAF that if you want to know sort of how Tisha B'Av is observed, this is the daft that really talks about it. Um, and so I'm going to start sort of in the middle end of of Tanurav kol be'evel, right? So all the mitzvot that are practiced by a mourner, no hago are practiced on tishabav. So I think this is really sort of setting the framing for what the day is supposed to be like. We are supposed to be like mourners. Asur b'achila Bishtiya, right? We are not allowed to eat or drink. We don't smear ourselves, you know, with oil. We don't wear shoes. Leather shoes, excuse me. Um, And we don't engage in uh, husband-wife relations. Uh, We also, it's prohibited to read from the Torah, from the prophets, the writing. We don't learn anything. We don't learn regular Torah. We also don't learn Mishnah or Gemara or Midrash, Halachot or Agadot. So that is a very, you know, we only learn uh, certain things. What are those? One can read from a place in the Bible in Tanakh that you're not accustomed to read because the idea is supposed to be you don't understand it, it's difficult, so it's going to sort of distress you. Or you can study from a place in the Talmud, basically, of a place that you don't know because also it will be stressful. The the keynote of you can read keynote, which here is not the keynote that we say on Tisha but is actually referring to Megilat or from Job, or the bad things that are described in Yirmiyahu. Um, now, also, part of what you can read also is there's Gemaras and Gittin that talk about what exactly happened at the time of the destruction. Anything that's related to that period of time those are the things you're allowed to learn. But, you know, um, and the school children, right, who sort of interrupt, uh, interrupt their studies, and even they can't learn that day. Right, the precepts of the Lord are right and rejoicing in the heart. This is a Apostle from Tehillim, chapter 19, verse 9, meaning it gives you joy to learn Torah. So even children can't have that joy. So Rabbi Huda has a different opinion here. He doesn't even hold by this idea about learning uh, uh, part of Torah Shaba Al-Pad that you're not used to, right? But does agree about EOV in the keynote and things like that. I'm skipping a little bit here. And also that even the Tino coach should not be learning. Um, And then the Gemara goes on. So that's sort of one piece of what we do to observe Tisha. Then the Gemara goes on to say, we don't eat meat. We don't drink wine. Tana, right? And so now where do we, this is a Tosepta. He is allowed to sort of eat salted meat um, and also wine from the wine press. In other words, this is sort of considered to not be the types of foods that you would get the same pleasure from regular wine, meat and wine, right? How much uh, salted meat is he allowed to, how long does the meat, the meat have to be in the salt before it's, it's permitted? As long as it's like a peace offering. So in other words, uh, peace offering, Corbin Shalman could be in for two days and one night after they were sacrificed. And after that time period, it was no longer called meat. So therefore salted meat is, no, is, if it was salted for longer than uh, two days and, and a night, it's also not considered meat anymore because it sort of ruins the meat a little bit and therefore it could be eaten on T-Shabaab. The yain mi kama, right? And wine, you know, from a press. Until when is it considered to be from the press? Kozman shihuto says, right? As long as it's fermenting. So again, it's not real wine. Tana yain says seis mishum gilui, Right? Wine that's fermented doesn't have the problem of exposed liquid. So there is a thing that, uh, like water, wine, certain liquids that are kept out overnight, that are not covered. We actually don't drink from them the next day. Um, and the reason the Gemara gives is because God forbid, like a snake got in there. In other words, it wasn't protected, so something could have gotten in, and then you'll drink it and be harmed. Today, I don't. We don't necessarily have the same concerns. I certainly thank God don't have snakes in my house. But this is something that a lot of people are still very careful of. Um, and so how many days is that? How long is the fermenting period? It's for three days. So now we're going to get to certain customs that were done. And the first custom that Ravihuda Yehuda shares is the one of Rav Yehuda, the son of Ravi Yehuda. So in the eve of an Arab Tisha B'Av, They would bring him stale bread with salt and he would sit, and he would sit between the oven and the stone, right, which is sort of considered to be a dirty and not nice place. He would, you know, basically drink a ketone of water. And in doing so, he would basically literally look like, and this is the language of the Gemara, somebody whose relative, who's a dead deceased relative is in front of him. He literally was acting like he was a mourner. Um, and then here's another halach also. In a place where the custom is that you can work on tishabav, you do. In a place where you can't, you don't. But in any place, nobody's learning Torah, right? Even Talmideh Chachamim don't learn Torah. Leo Leo Kola Chacham. So Ramachimbengam says, everybody's. Right, meaning uh nobody should do any malacha at all. Tanya right? That's what the idea is. tamil chacham isn't doing malacha, right? The, it also was taught in a brisa. Rabbi Shmuel Gamliel Mer, Damat smoke chacham Person should be like a a, a a Torah scholar, and so he will feel the hardship of the fast. Tanya right? So, I, well, let me go back to that before I move on. It's a little bit of an interesting thing that it's sort of like. The example of the person who doesn't do work is the Tamil Chacham. Tani Idach, we learn in another. Anybody who eats and drinks on Tisha B'Av, it's like you eat and drink on Yom Kippur. In other words, they're equating it to the level of a Raisa. That's how bad it is. And also you get curried if you do that. So it's interesting. I think this is one of these statements. They're trying to show how important the day is, Right. Rabbi Ya'kiva says, anybody who does work on Tisha B'av is not going to see blessing from that work. And finally, Anybody who does work on Tisha B'av is not mourning for Jerusalem. And they eventually, they will not also see the rejoicing of Yerushalayim. Shana Mar, and they a quote a very famous pasuk here, from Yishayahu, chapter 66, verse 10. <laughs> of course, I want to sing the first half of that Pasuk, right? Which <laughs> says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All who love her, rejoice for joy with her. All who mourn with her, right? The idea being, even those who mourn with her, they are going to be rejoicing. From here we say, anybody who really mourns Jerusalem, We'll have the z'chut, we'll have the merit to see its joy. V'she'i no al-Yerushalayim ino ver chato. And if they don't warn it, they won't. Uh, they will not see its joy. Tani na mihachi, right? So we also learn in Call kola ochal basar v'shotayayin a alav hakatu v'amer v'atihi onatam al-atzmotam. Right, that if you eat wine or drink, uh, sorry, eat uh, meat or drink wine, antishabab, the pasuk in khazkel chapter 32, verse 27 says about you, uh, that you're, um, and whose iniquities are upon their bones, right? That in other words, it, it, it's it's you really sinned if you do that. So, you know, this whole passage here is really, I think, showing us many of the things that we do on Tisha B'Av, and this is really the Gemara that teaches us about it. And then the Gemara goes on to talk about turning over the beds, and people even have a custom about that today. They don't sleep with a pillow, they sleep on the floor, you know, and I think, um, again, like, Anne, like you talked about, you know, on yesterday's episode, that the events of Tisha B'Av are not disputed. Um, the customs around Tisha B'Av are not particularly disputed either. There's a little bit of a discussion about what Rabbi Yehuda means with the, with the but all in all, they're pretty much just like, this is how people did. And I think that's because their origins are in the practice of mourning and people knew how they mourn and they had those as well-established practices. So there's not really a lot of discussion about what one can do or not do.
1: I think it's always a bit of a sad commentary and also yet very true that we kind of rise to the occasion for things that are sad, right? People make every effort to get to a shiva, to a funeral, to pay condolences, whatever. And by the same token, mourners themselves um, will make a great effort to say Kaddish, to, to do the Jewish things, right? So I think that that's true also in a day like Tisha B'Av, where, where there's plenty of happy days in the calendar. And I, I feel like maybe they're less observed or, or as you say, there's less consensus about how they should be observed, if nothing else. Meaning, I think plenty of people think, relate to Tisha B'Av as the relatively minor, halachically minor day that it is as compared to, certainly as compared to Yom Kippur, but uh, uh, you know compared to anything that's a Torah commandment type of thing. Um, plenty of people don't keep all these things, but those who do, like they, I, I don't know. It just seems to me that that people kind of buy in to the way Judaism prescribes mourning that it is effective.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that's why, you know, I think the way we mourn is actually something that most people feel Judaism does particularly well. Um, but you know, this image of Rabbi Yehuda Bar, you know, Eli, sort of sitting by his in, you know, by between his oven and his stove. And really, the the description of that it's like a deceased body is in front of him. I mean, that's really what the day is supposed to evoke that that same sense of grief, we would feel uh, is is what we're supposed to feel in Tisha B'Av.
1: And I will say that it's a thing that everybody says every Tisha B'Av, which is, it's, you know, it's, I think, a particular challenge to mourn that which we didn't have. But I would say, We've observed this throughout these Masakhtot, that Chazal didn't necessarily have it either. Meaning, sure, the early generations, you know, the early Tanaim were present for the Beit Hamikdash and they lost the Beit Hamikdash, but the later, the later Tanaim, the the early Amoraim, the later Amoraim, they were closer in proximity. You know, time. Uh, what's it called? From the chronicle, there, there they had a, a closer proximity in time to the events of the destruction of the beta mcdash but they didn't you know like live with it before them and then lose it so i feel like if they can manage through these same tools of mourning um that prescribe mourning for us i feel like so we can too meaning that perhaps we overstate it when we say we can't mourn something we didn't see
0: right I, i i i think there is some truth to that
1: okay now i'm gonna move on because we're gonna hit the happy days um which is the very end of this stuff So this is an interesting thing. What happens? We've got here the fifteenth day of Av, which is still in Av, right, as compared to Tishabav. And we've got Yom Kippur, which is the fast day, which is most similar to Tishab in terms of the actual experience of the the physical experience of the fast and the and the Inuyim, right? The other um deprivations. Yeah. Um, but they are not on the same day, and they're treated here, you know, in contrast, in stark contrast to everything that's been discussed about Tisha B'av. This is, of course, still citing from the Mishnah, the, you know, the original long mission at the beginning of the parak. So when Rabbi Shimba Gamliel says that we're talking about um, there's no days that are as happy as the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur, I uh, you know, I wonder how many people learn this daf or the Mishnah even and scratch their heads and say, what's really going on on the 15th of Av? Yom Kippur, we all know. And the Gemara says this, Bishlama, right? Like, yeah, that's fine. We got Yom Kippur, Bishlama Yom mishum, Deid be'i slicha Michila. We understand why Yom Kippur is a happy day, a day of joy, because we've got pardon and we've got forgiveness. And, you know, there's great rejoicing in that experience. Yom Nuboluchot achonot. And that's where we, I'm surprised it doesn't say achonim. Okay. Um, though it's a day that we get the Tablets, right? The second tablets, right? That we were the Bnei israel received them on Yom Kippur as a again a sign of Rachamim and so on mercy. However, El <laughs> Av what's the fifteenth of Av? Why is it there this great joy? Amar Amar Yom Shahutru Shvatim Lavoze So it's a really interesting reason. Why it is that there's joy on the fifteenth of Av? So that's the day that the different tribes of Bnei Israel were permitted to marry each other, meaning intermarriage by tribe, because originally they kept, you know, each tribe had to marry only within itself for the sake of keeping the Nachal, at the land, um, you know, you what do we call it? Like set aside for each of the each of the families within that tribe. This is, of course, most famously discussed in the context of the daughters of Slavchad, um, where they, where the daughters of Slavchad, Slavchad asked Moshe, they didn't have any brothers, they didn't have any men in their family to inherit, and they were allowed to do the inheriting, right, by God's decree, but they still had to marry within their own tribe for the sake of keeping the Nachala in their tribe. So... On the fifteenth of Av, suddenly, you know, the 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 fish, the what do we call it? The fish in the sea. The sea got a little bigger. People were able to marry outside of their own tribe. My darush. So then the verse is like, why why is this the the thing to talk about here? Leave um, When they said that the verse says, this is what God commanded about the benot hazeh they were very careful to say that that issue of marrying only within the one tribe was only going to be um, practiced in that same generation, meaning it was never a thought that the tribe should stay exclusive to each other, which biologically is also a very good plan, meaning to make sure that there's at least a little bit of diversity amongst the Jewish people. Amar of Yosef, Amar of Nachman, Yom she shevet b'yamin Lavobekahal, So Rav Yosef says to uh, Rav Nachman, the day that the tribe of Binyamin was allowed to enter Kahal, the, the congregation of the rest of B'nai Israel, um, which brings us to yet another aspect of the in this case the Navi in the book of Shoftim there's this terrible terrible story of the Pelegesh Begiv'ah which I'm not even it's, it doesn't bear repeating in the, in the context of joyous times but basically um, the tribe of Binyamin had a collective guilt placed upon them for their very exceeding maltreatment of this particular woman and they were told that they not they are not allowed to marry outside of their own tribe because they were so, they, in this case it wasn't about the nachal the land inheritance, it was about you know shunning them, basically ostracizing them to keep them away from the rest of Ben Israel. but at this point they're going to be allowed in. In, in Sefer Shoftim, chapter 21, the the book of Judges, that's where it says Benjamin can't marry anybody outside of Benjamin. So Rav explains, they took it literally, meaning none of us, not just none of the children, that it's not just for the generation, it's meaning not only for the generation, but also for their descendants, but then it was repealed or whatever in this day when they were allowed to marry from other tribes. And finally, I've got two more. So this is also another big deal. What happened on the 15th of Av? You know, again, this is, using the, the dates of the calendar to track history and say, that's a sad day and that's a happy day is I think a really interesting impulse by Chazal. So here on the 15th above, they say that's the day when the deaths of the Jews in the Midbar stopped. I mean, they stopped dying, right? When when were they dying? Um, there, was, there was great concern over how, like all the people in the Midbar, not all, all the able-bodied people from the age of 20 and up had to die before they could enter the land of Israel, right? That's that's the first part, right? Meaning the entire generation that left Egypt had to die, right? That's that was God's decree. <laughs> and until all of those people, um, had died, according to this Gemara, God did not talk to most to Moshe, meaning all that time in the midbar when they're wandering around and so on. Then there was no dis- there was no there was no direct conversation between God and Moses, which, by the way, is a little bit disturbing when you think about how long they were out there in radio silence. It says at the time there's a, a, a verse from Devarim from Deuteronomy, at the time that it, it came to pass that all of the men of war, meaning all those were the able-bodied men who went out to war, had died. Then immediately the verse continues. <inaudible> that is when he says, and then God spoke to me. This is Moshe's account of how he experienced God's um, coming to him in the, in the wilderness. <inaudible> and at that time is when God came and spoke to him. So this is another big deal, meaning they stopped dying, means that the, the cycle of history kind of picked up again, right? If that all that tr- um, journey in the midbar. Was kind of putting all of Bnei Israel's exit or exodus from Egypt to get to the land of Israel on hold, right? They're they're in pause mode. They're journeying plenty. They're moving, but they're not they're not getting anywhere because they have to go through forty years of traveling in the desert and or the wilderness, whatever. And then when they at this point on this day, you know, it's as if play is pressed again, and they pick up the journey and they carry on, and now they're really going somewhere. So Ula says the 15th day of Av was the day when King Hosea was the son of Elah canceled the guards that Yeravam Yeravam ben was known to be a very wicked king and he had put guards on the roads so that Israel would not be able to, to do Ali Alarga, but they would not be able to come to Jerusalem for the holidays. So um Oshea ben Ela canceled those guards that Yeravan ben Navad had placed there previously. And he says, and now I'm just going on one line onto the next page, La He says, Whoever wants to come, whoever wants to come to Jerusalem, let them come. Meaning they could go to Jerusalem, they could go to other places also. To celebrate the holidays, but if they wanted to come to Yerushalayim, those roads were no longer going to be closed to them. Which, if you think about, what are we talking about? Joy, right? The opening up in each of these cases. There's a certain amount of of release and freedom. Let's say from who people can choose to marry, um, who can, and who where people can go, and or and then I said it's out of order, but that the B'nai Israel could continue on their travels. It's again, it's a certain kind of, I would say opening up freedom to, to move forward in a new way. And I feel like, yeah, there is joy in that. Like there might be nervousness and it might be exciting and it might be uncertain, you know, a great deal of uncertainty, but, so it's a different kind of joy of knowing what everything is going to be. It's not that, but there's a, a release in, from the mourning period, right? If we're talking about Tisha B'Av, that now we've got, um, if, if mourning to a certain extent is, is stopping, right? It's stopping and contemplating and and mourning. And now this is all, I don't know, to some degree progression, right? Opening things up and moving forward in a new way. Um, I don't think that it, it cancels out Tisha above, right? But it's recognizing that both of these days are in the calendar for good reason. Well,
0: that's our top discussion for the day. Rank is reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stop on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.